Welcome to the sermon podcast of Northridge Presbyterian Church in Dallas, Texas. I'm Betsy Sweetenberg, the pastor here, and I hope that in this podcast, you see what we seek to do week after week, approaching the stories of our faith with a holy curiosity, not shutting the book because the stories are hard or there are truths we'd rather ignore. Instead, approaching scripture, trusting that God will meet us there, full of grace and truth, teaching us something new about how we are to live in this world God so loves. Our scripture this morning comes from the book of Acts, and Acts is a story of firsts in the Bible. It recounts the first of the early church. In fact, Acts is a unique book of the Bible because it's the only book that shares the spread of Christianity immediately after Jesus' resurrection. It's the story of the first church coming together and living out their witness that Jesus is the Messiah and that he was resurrected from the dead. And so our scripture this morning is the first Easter sermon that was preached to a congregation. Now there was an Easter sermon preached on that first Easter morning. The Gospels tell us that the women who went to the tomb came back and returned to the disciples, and they said three words. They said, he is risen. That's a sermon. But what we're about to read is Peter's sermon, where he, we know he's a good preacher, because he takes those three words and he turns them into 289 words. Unlike the women, he is preaching to more than the apostles, though. He's preaching to everyone in Judea and Jerusalem. He has called together his own congregation and giving his take on what the resurrection means for them. That congregation of people hearing Peter's words is not that different from us this morning because they are people who did not see the empty tomb for themselves. They had heard that a resurrection would happen, but these are not eyewitnesses. And so Peter's word is all that they have to go on. So listen now to what the Spirit is saying to us through this sermon of old. This is from Acts 2. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, fellow Jews and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and listen to what I say. Fellow Israelites, listen to what I have to say. Jesus of Nazareth, A man attested to you by God with deeds of power, wonders, and a sign that God did through him among you, as you yourselves know, this man handed over to you according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God you crucified and killed by the hands of those outside the law. But God raised him up having released him from the agony of death because it was impossible for him to be held in its power. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand so that I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. Moreover, my flesh will live in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One experience corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. 
You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Fellow Israelites, I may say to you confidently of our ancestor David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Since he was a prophet, he knew that God had sworn an oath to him that he would put one of his descendants on the throne. Foreseeing this, David spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, saying, He was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh experience corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that all of us are witnesses. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Have you ever found yourself at the end of a sermon wondering, and what do I do with that? Doesn't necessarily mean that you didn't like the sermon or find something interesting, but you don't really know what you're to make of this scripture and what it means for your daily life. You aren't sure whether anything has changed. So you ask, what do I do with that? I imagine lots of those early Christians found themselves asking that question after the first Easter. He is risen, they were told. There you have it, the three-word sermon. The event that they had been told about had happened. This thing that was supposed to change everything about their lives and about the world as they knew it had actually happened. He is risen. And yet the question remains. What do we do with that? If we consider that three-word sermon of the women to be the what, what happened, he is risen, then Peter's sermon could be the so what. So what, he is risen. What do we do with that news? Peter spends most of his time recounting the resurrection, as you heard, because just like us, the people he was preaching to, couldn't see the empty tomb for themselves. All they had to go on were the words of the preacher. And so Peter goes to great lengths to spell out the entire story. Remember the promise. Remember what he told us. Remember David's words that seem so cryptic. Well, all of those words of Scripture have come true. This Jesus God raised up. And of that, all of us our witnesses. There it is. So what? He is risen. What do we do with this news? We witness to it. That's it. That was the charge to that first gathered congregation after the resurrection, and it is our charge too. We witness to the resurrection. Unfortunately, I think this charge has been mangled by Christians since Peter first preached it. If you only knew about Christians through the headlines, you might think that our charge was to witness to ideologies and to right beliefs. You might think our charge was to witness so that you can be sure that everyone believes exactly the same thing that you do. Witness so you can correct all those other Christians who are getting it wrong. Witness so you can be in control of the Christian narrative. That is a witness, to be sure, but that's not the witness Peter is talking about. 
Peter is talking about a very specific kind of witness, witnessing to the resurrection, not to ideology, not to having it all figured out, not to some narrow set of rules about how Christians are to live in this world. This Jesus, God raised up. Witness to that, Peter says. God brings life out of death. Witness to that. Witness to how God has done that in your life and in the lives of people you love. Witness to how God has done that in this world. If you were here a couple weeks ago on Easter morning, there was a word I asked you to remember. Do you remember it? Nevertheless. Good, that's it. The story of resurrection is the story of God's miraculous nevertheless. In spite of death and darkness and destruction that is all around us, nevertheless, God is able to bring life and life abundant. Friends, that's our witness. That is the news that we have to share with the world. We are witnesses to God's miraculous nevertheless. Today is a special day in our congregation. As you just saw, we got to present Bibles to third and fourth graders so that they may come to know the story of God's miraculous nevertheless for themselves and begin to see how those promises play out in their own lives. Soon we'll welcome a class of confirmands who've spent an entire year asking questions about what they believe and deciding whether they want to say yes to the questions of membership. We are welcoming new families into our life together. I've had the privilege of getting to know some of the people who are joining and getting to share candid conversations about beliefs and questions and doubts related to this life of faith. Now, there was a family that was supposed to join during this service and unfortunately are sick, but she has still given me permission to share a little bit about some of our conversations with all of you. I met her months ago and respected her immediately when she came in my office one afternoon and just began asking some very honest and curious questions about this congregation. And she started by saying, I've never seen a female pastor before, so this church must be different than the one I'm coming from. She began worshiping with us and getting a feel for this congregation and how we live out our witness of faith together and after months of that, she and her family have decided that this is a community where they want to join. They want to live out their faith alongside us. And just earlier this week, we met again and we were talking about the questions of membership. The questions that we'll ask both our confirmands and new members shortly. The questions that you answered if you have joined this congregation as a member. Everyone answers the same three questions. Trusting the grace of God, do you turn from the ways of sin and renounce evil and its power in the world? Do you turn to Jesus Christ and accept him as Lord and Savior? And will you participate actively and responsibly in the worship and mission of the church? I got to share with her in our congregation that the only requirement for membership is that you answer those three questions affirmatively. That's it. And then I shared what I love most about that, which is all that's left unsaid in those three questions. 
everyone answers yes to those questions when they become a member, but there is no assumption that we all get to yes in the same way. Have a, have a conversation with the person next to you in the pew, and you will quickly learn that there is no one-size-fits-all experience of God in this community. And I got to share with her what I love so much about this group of compromands who named this truth so beautifully in their statements of faith, many of them saying, I still have questions, and this church is a place that encourages me to ask them. Our church is not a place where we pray away differences or shame people who believe differently, another said. And what I hear in all of that is a community that has taken Peter's charge to heart. We are not asking people to have beliefs set in stone. We are not asking people to adhere to a handful of narrow doctrine. We are asking people to hold fast to the good news. This Jesus, God raised up. And of that, we are all witnesses. We are not here to witness who is in or out. We are not here to witness to dividing lines. We are here to witness to this Jesus that God raised up. We are here to witness to God's miraculous nevertheless. And that means that when people join our community, they are simply stating that they want to witness with us that they want to walk with us and they want us to walk with them as we affirm this good news in our life together. I didn't even know a church like this existed, she said to me. I was raised in a small community that wanted everyone to believe exactly the same thing. And when my beliefs differed from theirs and when I started asking my own questions about faith, I thought that the only option I had was to walk away from church and from faith and from God altogether. God, that hurts, doesn't it? Nevertheless, we found this congregation, and I've gone from someone who thought I wouldn't go to church anymore or raise my child in a church to someone who wants to go to two worship services on Sunday mornings. This Jesus God raised up, and of that, all of us are witnesses. That's our work, to witness to God's miraculous ability to bring life out of death, to witness to the life-giving and life-saving work of God happening right here. And isn't our world desperate for that witness? Our planet is crying out, literally gasping for air, asking, is there more life to be had? Caskets are piling up because we're putting more energy into protecting our guns than protecting our children. Wars rage. The gaps between the haves and the have-nots get larger and larger and larger. We could go on, but you don't need me to tell you this. You know this. In all of this, what is required of us is to witness to God's promise of life abundant. We are not being asked to witness to a political party or to fall on a certain side of the aisle. As Christians, our witness is so much bigger, is so much more profound, and is so much more powerful than any single ideology. We are being asked to witness in a way that makes God's promise of life abundant possible now. 
for all of creation, life for our children, life for our planet, life for each of us. That is our witness, and that is our work. That is the witness that you offered our city this weekend. You witnessed to the promise of life abundant when you showed up at the stew pot on Friday night to serve, our meal, serve a meal to our neighbors who are experiencing homelessness and would have gone without food had you not been there. You witnessed to life abundant when you showed up at Bonton Farms yesterday morning to garden, doing work to revive soil and souls because that farm is transforming South Dallas from a place that has been marred by racial injustice and systemic oppression and poverty to a place where community members have work that they enjoy and brings them dignity and good food to eat, a place that is coming to be marked by life abundant instead of by death. You witnessed a life abundant yesterday morning when you moved the Safi family into their new apartment, a family that had to flee their home country and never intended to live in Dallas, Texas, but they are here now, and you welcome them, offering them hope of life for what can be in this new place they call home. And that was just this weekend. Imagine what else we can do together in this year. So let us get on with it. And by the grace of God, may our witness allow others to know and to trust that God's miraculous nevertheless is for them too. Because this Jesus, God raised up. And of that, we are all witnesses. Amen. Go out into God's world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Return to no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering. Honor all persons. Love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy and as you go, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the power of the Spirit bless you and keep you this day, and always, always. Amen.